In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today we read of what some would call the failed ministry of John the Baptist. Those who had been with him in the beginning could remember the days of large crowds when everyone flocked to hear John speak. The church was full, standing room only, or rather, the Jordan River was full. But then something happened. John was arrested, his followers were scattered, and after a brief stint in prison, his head was served to a young girl on a silver platter. It's not a pretty picture, yet it's in your Bible. An ignoble end to a career that started out with so much potential and promise. John had charisma. He had style. He could bring in the crowds. But then he threw it all away. Why? Because he couldn't mind his own business, it would seem, and felt compelled to meddle in the private affairs of Herod the king. What a tragic and needless waste. Had the church growth experts been around in the days of John the Baptist, their report of his ministry might have sounded something like what I just said. Many similar reports have been written by the board members of your average Lutheran church. Our last pastor started out with so much promise He was young, dynamic, and full of energy. We thought he would be the one to revitalize our church. But he couldn't leave well enough alone. He just had to tell the head elder's daughter, you cannot live with your boyfriend and then come to the communion rail. And after that, we realized he wasn't going to be a good fit for our church. What a sad end to what might have been a great ministry. If we were to judge the prophets of the Old Testament and the pastors of the New Testament by how well their message was received, we might conclude that nearly all God's servants have been failures. The life expectancy of God's prophets has always been low. I don't think any of them had or even needed a retirement package. When God told Jonah to go preach to the wicked city of Nineveh, Jonah had a little bit of a problem. I can just imagine him opening up the envelope and saying, "Uh, God, I see that you booked me a business class trip to Nineveh, but why is this a one-way ticket? Sometimes faithful elders will say to their pastor, why are you even trying to talk to this irate member? He's not going to listen. He's not going to repent. Save yourself a whole lot of trouble and just move on. Our elders try to protect me in this way, and I appreciate them for it. But a pastor doesn't decide whether or not to speak God's word based on the likely outcome. He speaks as he is commanded and leaves the results to God. In this regard, the ministry of John the Baptist was wildly successful. He delivered his message faithfully. He rebuked God's people for their sin. He told them about salvation that came only through Christ 
the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this message cost him his head, literally. Another failed prophet? No. God says to John, well done, good and faithful servant. And don't worry about your head. I'll take care of that. In the ancient art of the church, saints who were beheaded for the faith were often depicted carrying their heads as they entered heaven. Legend says that the martyr Nicatius was reciting Psalm 119 at the moment of execution. And when he reached the verse, my soul is attached unto dust, he was decapitated. After his head had fallen to the ground, he finished the verse, Revive me, Lord, with your words. Now, this legend is likely just that, legend. But we do read in Revelation chapter 6 that the souls of those who have been slain for the word of God cry out, saying, How long, O Lord, before you will avenge us and judge the earth? The martyrs, faithful as they were, simply do not have God's infinite patience, and mercy toward all sinners. And as we are told in verse 11, the number of the martyrs is not yet complete. We read in the gospel text that Herod actually liked John the Baptist, which might be a bit of a surprise. Herod heard him gladly and tried to keep him safe. But as they say, blood is thicker than water. So when John rebuked Herod for his adulterous union with his brother's wife, family ties suddenly became more important than the word of God. The same thing is often true within the church. Everyone agrees with God's messenger so long as he keeps the message very general. We are all sinners in many ways. Amen, Pastor, that's the truth. And had John the Baptist stuck to that, he might have kept his head. But when a pastor applies the word of God in a specific way, saying, your behavior right there is sinful, well, then he might need to think about taking out a second life insurance policy, metaphorically speaking, of course. When specific sin is pointed out, then the true measure of a man or woman is discovered. God called King David a man after his own heart. Why? Is it because David never sinned? Far from it. It was because of how David responded to God's messenger after he had sinned. Just like King Herod, David also was caught up in an adulterous affair with another man's wife. Worse yet, David had the husband murdered. Then God sent the prophet Nathan on what certainly could have been a one-way trip. Go confront King David with his sin. I bet that Nathan made sure to kiss his wife before he headed off to the castle. David was in many ways similar to Herod. Both men were kings. Both were caught up in adultery. They each had soldiers, dungeons, and executioners at their command. 
And God sent his messenger to both men. But David's response was utterly unlike that of King Herod. I have sinned against the Lord. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. This is the prayer of a Christian. Here is a man after God's own heart. So which one of these two kings are you? You might not know if you've never been called to account by God's messenger. Remember, everyone loves the prophet until he begins to apply the word of God to the specific situations of specific people. Then suddenly, it's time to dust off the silver platter. There didn't appear to be any big difference between King David and King Herod until after the prophet delivered his message. Then it became clear who was a man after God's own heart. In the three years that I have served as your pastor, I have on many occasions been required to go to a person privately and say, what you are doing is wrong. Turn from your sin and receive the forgiveness of Christ. Forgiveness full and free without measure. And I have witnessed both the response of King David and King Herod. It's easy for Christians to sit on the sidelines and cheer on the messenger as long as he's talking to someone else. That's right, pastor, you tell King Herod. But when the prophet says to you, you are the man, then things get real. This is one of the reasons that we pray every Sunday, create in me a clean heart, O God. The liturgy is cultivating within your heart the habit of responding to God's messenger as David did. You are, so to speak, practicing the art of repentance, learning to respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit who calls you to turn from sin and rely completely on the forgiveness of Christ. It is true that the number of those slain for the word of God is not yet complete. The martyrs will have to be patient a little while longer until Christ appears in all his glory. But until that day comes, our Lord will continue to send his messengers among his church. Wherever the words of Christ are delivered faithfully to his people, Wherever the sacraments are rightly administered, there we will find successful ministry, no matter what the church growth experts say. So may the Holy Spirit continue his work within our hearts and minds, teaching us to respond to the word of God, not as Herod did, but as David, with repentance and faith. In the name of Jesus. Amen.